You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Lessons from the world's top professors, anytime, anyplace. World history examined and science explained. This is One Day University. Welcome. This is episode four of The Happiness Formula. I, of course, am your host, Mike Coscarelli. Last we left off, we were talking about practical wisdom. So think about this. We say honesty is the best policy, right? But what about when you tell your grandma her meatloaf is delicious, when in reality, your mamar has been forgetting to season her food for quite a while now? Mamar, if you're listening, your meatloaf is still delicious, and this is a purely hypothetical situation. Don't worry. But this does get us to today's episode, because Barry's going to challenge your thinking of what makes a quote-unquote good person, and why you shouldn't always be honest, respectful, and fair to others. Here's Barry. So, I talked about what we would all agree is a good rule to follow, uh, tell the truth, and how even that rule has exceptions when your friend asks, how do I look? I want to continue on that with a more consequential example. And this is a case reported by a doctor named Jerome Lowenstein, who'd been caring for this patient, a man in his 70s, 
for over 10 years. He had a persistent cough and fever, and antibiotics were not helping. So Lowenstein ordered a CT scan, and the scan revealed that the patient had masses in his lungs that turned out to be malignant. In other words, he had lung cancer. Condition was not curable. Man was in his 70s. Lowenstein explained all of this to the patient's wife, and she immediately said, you can't tell him he has cancer. It turns out her husband had experienced bouts of depression throughout his life, and his wife was worried that the word cancer would just do him in. She assured the doctor that if he just told the man that the procedures Lowenstein had in mind were, quote, necessary for further treatment, the man would comply. Lowenstein agonized. He didn't like the idea of withholding the truth from a patient. He consulted other physicians. He talked to his wife. He talked to the patient's daughter. He talked to a psychiatrist who had treated the patient for depression some years before. Finally, he decided to honor the patient's wife's request. The patient accepted the diagnosis of complicated pneumonia. He lived a decent life for the next 18 months, and then he died quietly and comfortably. So, should Lowenstein have told the truth in this instance? It is a good rule, be honest, but it is, like every rule, a rule that has exceptions. Wise people know when and why and how to make exceptions. Here's another good rule. Respect the autonomy of individuals. Respect people, let them make their own decisions. I think most of us would agree that this is a good way to go through life. But this too has exceptions. Is a lawyer a zealous advocate for a client or a counselor? Imagine that you're a lawyer, a family law lawyer, and you're dealing with a messy, angry divorce. And your client, let's say the the wife in this dissolving marriage, feels so wronged by her husband that she wants to extract every ounce of flesh she can. There are kids in this family, and you think that catering to her vindictiveness will have terrible effects on the kids. So you think she should be less vindictive and settle for less than everything she might extract. And the question is, here you are as a lawyer. Should you be the lawyer who is a zealous advocate, out to get your client what she says she wants in any way you possibly can? Or should you be the wise counselor trying to convince your client that what she says she wants isn't what she should want? Lawyers are both advocates and counselors, but they need to know whether the particular situation they're in with the particular person who is their client, 
whether this situation demands advocacy or counsel. The same thing is true when it comes to doctors. Doctors should respect the autonomy of their patients. You let patients know what the options are and patients decide. But sometimes it will be clear to you as an expert what option a patient ought to choose. And what do you do when the patient seems to be reluctant to make that choice? What do you do when you know that although chemotherapy may produce a couple of months of on and off misery, it will almost certainly add years of life to the patient and the patient doesn't want to go through it? Should you respect the autonomy of the patient or should you find ways to nudge the patient in the direction of what you think is the right decision? Financial advisors and their clients. As a financial advisor, you know, you're supposed to do what your client wants, but sometimes your client wants the wrong stuff. So when do you honor your client's autonomy and simply execute your client's instructions? And when do you try to convince your client that what he or she thinks they want isn't what they should want? Salespeople and their customers. Somebody comes into the store wanting to buy a flat screen TV and they want to buy an 80 inch screen. And you say, well, where is it going? And, you know, what room is it going in? And they say, well, it's going into a room that's roughly 10 by 12. And you say to yourself, whoa, that screen is way too big for that room. Do you give the customer what the customer wants? Or do you try to counsel the customer to want something different? Each of these cases are cases where respecting autonomy doesn't solve your problem because sometimes you have the potential to prevent somebody from making a really bad decision, should you exercise that authority or not. And a last example, a hairdresser. You cut women's hair, uh, cut and style women's hair. Women come into the salon often with a picture they've taken from a magazine. I'd like you to cut my hair in this style. And you look at the picture and you think, that's a huge mistake. She's brought me a picture of a hairstyle on a woman whose face is shaped like a pencil, but this woman's face is shaped like a cantaloupe. This haircut looks great on a pencil-shaped face, will look terrible on a cantaloupe-shaped face. So do you as a hairdresser simply do what your client wants or do you try to convince your client that what she wants isn't what she should want? These are all examples where the rule respect the autonomy of other people sometimes needs exceptions. And your task, which is deciding when these exceptions are required and how they should be made, requires wise judgment on your part. Rules don't solve the problem. Another good rule, treat people fairly. Again, I don't think these, are, these rules are in dispute. Respect autonomy, be honest, treat people fairly. This is the, these are the kinds of 
rules we would like to see people honoring in our everyday lives. The problem with treat people fairly is what does fairness mean? Teachers want to be fair to their pupils. Parents want to be fair to their children. Does that mean that teachers should treat each pupil alike? Does that mean that each parent should treat each child alike? A principle of fairness might suggest that everybody gets equal treatment. But a wise teacher would probably say, no, my job is not to treat each pupil alike. My job is to give each pupil what he or she needs. Different pupils need different things. I should care equally about the progress of each and every kid in my room. But by doing that, almost certainly what it will demand of me is that I treat each kid differently. And parents certainly know that if they, they can't treat each of their kids alike because their kids are very different. Some kids are timid and need to be pushed. Some kids are reckless and need to be protected. The fairness criterion that you adopt as a parent is to give each of your kids what he or she needs. And that almost certainly means treating each of your kids differently. So three very good rules. Be honest, respect autonomy, be fair. They all have exceptions. Rules like this provide us with anchors. They provide us with guidelines. But they are almost never enough. First of all, how to apply a rule in any particular case, how to talk to a client, is not anything that a rule will tell you. Aristotle captured this problem in writing about rules and their limits more than 2,000 years ago. He was fascinated by watching the craftsmen in ancient Athens, in particular the stonemasons, and how they managed to fashion round columns. How do you make round columns that are uniform in their roundness and that match each other on either side of the entry to a building? What the stonemasons had available to them was rulers, straight edges. Straight edges are great at measuring things that don't have curves, but they can't measure things that have curves. And so, what the stonemasons devised was a kind of ruler that bent. It was made of soft lead, and you could put it around a round column and measure the circumference of the column. And so the metaphor here is that the rule, you need rules, you need rulers, but sometimes you need to bend the rule. And the soft lead ruler was a ruler that could be bent. Be honest is a rule that sometimes has to be bent. Respect autonomy is a rule that sometimes has to be bent. Uh, treat people fairly is a rule that sometimes has to be bent. And the critical thing is, are these rules being bent in the right way at the right time? for the right reason.
And for Aristotle, it was wisdom that assured that rule bending would occur when it should in the way that it should. The other problem with rules is that sometimes there are good rules that conflict. In the case of uh, Dr. Groupman talking to his uh, dying patient, be honest is a good rule. Be kind is a good rule. They push in opposite directions. We want our kids to be independent. We want our kids to be safe. Encourage independence in your children is a good rule. Make sure your kids are safe is a good rule. Those two good rules sometimes push in the opposite directions. We need rules. Rules solve choice problems that we sometimes face. Rules help us avoid treating people extremely unfairly. Rules help us establish moral standards. But the way I have come to think about rules is that rules are kind of like a roadmap. Remember roadmaps? Nobody uses roadmaps anymore. Rules are kind of like a roadmap that gets you to the right city, but the streets aren't marked. Now, you will never get to the street I live on in Oakland, California, if you don't get to Oakland, California. So getting to the right city matters. However, getting to the right city won't get you to my street. Rules get you to the right city, and then something else is needed to get you to the right street. And that something else is wisdom, is judgment. If rules are like a roadmap, then Barry can definitely be my driver. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll hear more about what Aristotle can teach us about navigating in today's world. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. You have to balance. You have to balance honesty and kindness. When Groupman is talking to his patient and when you're answering your friend's question about how she looks, you have to balance asking and telling. When hairdressers are consulting with their clients before they cut, do the haircut, when students are interacting with teachers, when lawyers and financial advisors are interacting with clients, you have to balance nurturing and challenging. And this came up earlier when we were talking about grit, you want on the one hand to encourage your pupil or your child and be supportive. And on the other hand, to be demanding so that they stick with tasks until they achieve a certain level of mastery. So how do you balance nurturing on the one hand and challenging on the other? You want to balance empathy which is really feeling the pain and suffering or sadness of another person, and detachment, which maybe enables you to make a better judgment than you could if you were so immersed in the situation that you couldn't separate yourself from the person you were trying to advise. How do you balance all of these things? What Aristotle said is that what life requires is that we find the mean. Now, nowadays, the mean, M-E-A-N, is a technical word that means the arithmetic average, but that's not what he meant. He meant the middle, but the middle is very much context-specific. And so virtues for Aristotle, strengths of character for Aristotle, resided at the mean between extremes that were not virtuous. And you might argue, well, all of this is just common sense. You know, you live life in the world for a while and you discover how to talk to people and when to let people make their own decisions and when to step in. You spend time as a parent and you learn when to let kids 
make their own mistakes and when to protect them from mistakes that might be quite serious. It's just common sense. Well, I want to disabuse you of that. There are lots and lots of maxims, aphorisms, sayings in popular culture that most of us have heard. Here's one. You can't tell a book by its cover. You've probably heard that. Here's another one. Where there's smoke, there's fire. The point is that these two common sense sayings that we think are true are telling opposite truths. Here's one, another one. Better safe than sorry. Yep. And how about nothing ventured, nothing gained? Again, both of these are true, but they're telling opposite truths. Look before you leap. He who hesitates is lost. A penny saved is a penny earned. You can't take it with you. Two heads are better than one. Too many cooks spoil the broth. Birds of a feather flock together. Opposites attract. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Out of sight, out of mind. So here we have these pairs of maxims, and each of them contains, obviously contains kernels of truth because they've been around for centuries, but they point us in opposite directions. So is one of them true and one of them false? No, they're both true sometimes, they're both false other times, and the critical thing is to know whether this is a situation where absence makes the heart grow fonder, or this is a situation where out of sight, out of mind. The sayings themselves, the maxims themselves, don't tell us in which circumstances they apply. It takes our judgment, not our, quote, common sense, to figure that out. It takes judgment to know whether, when, and how to apply rules. But Skilled judgment is not enough, and here's why. You can be a skilled lawyer and use your judgment about whether to be an advocate or a counselor to manipulate people to serve your ends and not theirs. I'll get bigger fees if we go for the jugular in this divorce case. You're not interested in what's good for your client. You're interested in what's good for you. And the better you can read your client, the better able you will be to manipulate the client. So it's not enough to have the skill to know what a situation calls for. You also need what we might call will, motivation. You need the desire to do right by your patient, by your client, by your student, by your child, as opposed to doing right by yourself. And for Aristotle, practical wisdom was this combination of what he would call moral skill, knowing how to figure out what the situation calls for, and moral will, the desire to do the right thing by other people. And wise people have both the skill and the will to do the right thing. The Greek word for practical wisdom is phronesis. And Aristotle thought, and you'll see that I agree, that it is the key to happiness. 
What is practical wisdom? What are the components? First, a wise person knows that no two patients, students, or clients are exactly alike and appreciates that rules and standard operating procedures have to be modified to allow for the diversity of human needs, the diversity of human circumstances, and the diversity of human aspirations. A wise person knows when and how to make the exception to every rule. Second, a wise person knows that different situations demand different responses. She knows not only when to be honest, but how to be honest. Not only when to be kind, but how to be kind. Third, a wise person knows how to improvise. Real-world problems are often ambiguous and ill-defined, and the context is always changing. What I sometimes suggest is that wisdom is a little bit like what you might call moral jazz. A good jazz musician knows how to play the notes on the page, but what makes it jazz is not playing the notes on the page, but improvising around the notes on the page. And so good rules of conduct are like the notes on the page, but wise conduct is improvisation around the notes on the page, around the rules. Wise people know how to choose when good rules conflict, like the rule be kind and the rule be honest. A wise person knows how to take the perspective of another, to see the situation as she does, and thus to understand how she feels. This perspective taking is what enables wise people to feel empathy for others and to make decisions that serve their clients or their students or their patients or their friends' needs. Uh, this is sort of baked into the culture as the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, except that it's even more demanding than the golden rule. We might call it the platinum rule, because the aim here is not to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's to do unto others as they would have you do unto them. That is, it's not what would I want in this situation. Rather, is what does she want? What does she need in this situation? And how can I provide it? This is a very, very demanding standard. And wise judgment enables us to hit that standard reasonably frequently. Finally, a wise person uses these skills in pursuit of the right aims. Wisdom is about doing, not just about judging, and it's about doing things that meet the proper aims of the activity you're engaged in and that meet the needs of the people who you're trying to serve. Well, that's it for today's episode. Join us next time on The Happiness Formula, where we will learn that moderation is key. Like, for example, is it possible to be too motivated? The Happiness Formula from One Day University is a production of iHeart Podcasts and School of Humans. If you're enjoying the show, leave a review in your favorite podcast app 
and check out the Curiosity Audio Network for podcasts covering history, pop culture, true crime, and more. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.